Now, the two stories that we shared together this morning are fairly similar to a lot of people, ones that are pretty common that most people at least have some familiarity with. And the first one is one of these appearance by Jesus to his disciples. The now resurrected Jesus appears to the disciples who have been out in the boat all night to go fishing. And they've caught nothing. And when Jesus appears, he says, hey, take it out just a little bit more and see what happens. And sure enough, they get so much they can barely carry it in, right? And then they come aboard, they realize who it is. You get the impression that maybe some of them do and maybe some of them don't. You're really not quite sure, but at least they have a good idea that this is Jesus. And so here they are on the shore, and this is where Jesus, this famous interaction with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Three times. Plenty of sermons have been written about that interaction there. And each time Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you, and back and forth. Of course, also from the story, we realize that Jesus can grill a mean fish, can't he? Then the second story, we have the, the call story, if you will, of the Apostle Paul. Saul, as he's known then, is uh, he's pretty good at one thing at this point in his life. And that's taking care of people who confess any kind of faith in Jesus. And so one day he's out, right, and he's going on his way to do that. And as he's there, he experiences God in a very vivid way. As the story goes, he is blinded by this light. Then he comes to know a disciple of Jesus, and at the end, he comes to know God, and he's baptized, and the rest is apostolic history, isn't it? Well, I was thinking about these stories over and over and over again, trying to figure out what connection they have to where we are today. And what, I kept, what kept coming back to me was these words of Jesus. Do you remember one time Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. And I was thinking over and over, least of these, least of these. And of course, when we think about the least of these, sort of what that tells us is that it's important for us to remember, isn't it? those who have no voice, to give voice to those who have no voice, to stand up for those who are unable to stand up for themselves. The least of these are those who have no authority that need people to be for, be for them what they can't be for themselves quite often. And that's part of doing for the least of these. Now, it got me thinking, though, what about the not-so-least? and then everybody else in between. Who are these people? Well, you have the least of these, and you have everybody else, and everybody else tends to be these people whom you know they have a voice because they never stop using it. Or these are the people who you know, they know where they are in life, and they're doing mighty fine, thank you. They're comfortable about where they are. They're fine with themselves. They're okay with the way things are going. In many ways, these are the not-so-least of these. So the question begins to stir up then, are we supposed to focus on one of these? In other words, are we supposed to give all of our attention on just the least and forget about the not-so-least? Obviously not. And I think we have a good example today as we think about that. We look at the, now what we call him, the Apostle Paul. Saul as he was known first, right? If we were to put him in sort of a modern context, right? Saul, he's doing all right for himself. 
He's, he's a smart guy, Ivy League training, probably pushing six figures. He's doing okay. He's got one of the nice camels, okay? This camel doesn't spit at him. He's doing mighty fine for himself. And since he's doing so well, what could a disciple of Jesus, a carpenter, do for him? Well, I can tell you one thing a disciple of a carpenter better not do is get in his way. Because at this point in his life, his one goal is to take care of. Y'all with me? Take care of anybody who professes a faith in Jesus. The one thing you can do is stay out of his way. And do you know, have you gotten the feeling, I know I have, that Many times today, Christians, we, we kind of get that same sentiment or we kind of feel the same way that people are out to get us. That, oh, anybody else can have an opinion, but when I have an opinion because I'm a Christian, people look down on me. Or because I have something to say that involves faith or God, people think I'm this or I'm being judgmental or I'm narrow-minded. Have, have you gotten that feeling? If so, let me give you a word of advice. Get over it's been the same since the very beginning. This way has been set against any other way since it first came into being. And people have always tried to get rid of it. So it should become as no surprise then if people don't always like what we may have to say. Then again, it may not be what we're saying. It may be how we're saying it. But that's another sermon. I didn't prepare for that one. Now, of course, Saul, we, we've already said, meets Jesus in a very powerful way, doesn't he? And eventually, the scales are removed from his eyes, and he's able to see. Now, I want you to think about the scales. You think about Paul coming down this road, and all of a sudden being stricken, he sees his vision, it's bright, and all of a sudden, he can't see. For how long? Three days. He can't see. So the people are with him, which we never talk about. I've always wondered what happened to those guys. These are the ones who were originally with Saul. You know, they were the ones probably carrying the handcuffs and everything. And all of a sudden, this guy is blind. We don't know what's going on. So now we carry him by hand. We walk him by hand to Damascus, right? But then he comes in contact with his disciples. And there's something like scales are removed from his eyes. Right? Powerful stuff, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, that's the easy part of it. Removing the scales from his eyes. That was the easy part. Let me tell you why. That was God's job. And God's pretty good at what God does. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that. God's okay at being God. God's a lot better at being God than I am. And I'm, I'm glad. Because I don't always have the right answers to give people, y'all. I don't always know how to fix a marriage. I don't have the cure for cancer. I don't know how to make people get along. I don't know how to get our young people to have more excitement about faith than Facebook. I don't have the answers to make the world go like it's supposed to go. But God's pretty good at doing some of that. So removing the scales from his eyes was the easy part. The hard part, I think, was the part that Ananias had. Now, we don't know too much about this guy. He's just a disciple in Damascus. And I love this because here he was probably just minding his business, doing what he does, following the way of Christ, trying to be faithful. 
And he gets this vision, if you will, also from God. He says, hey, that guy Saul, I want you to go see him. Now, let's, 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 let's be real about this. Everybody knows who Saul is. Everybody knows what he's been doing. And you want me to do what? And just in case he wasn't clear, I love the part in verse 12 where it says, Saul has just seen a vision of a man named Ananias. Wait a minute. That's my name. <laughs> Hold on. Time out. That's a, that's a popular name. It could be more than one Ananias, right? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. God was showing Ananias, you need to go to him. Now, if you're asking me, I think that's the hardest part of the story. God's got pretty much any ease that God wants removing scales, but in order for Ananias to go to Saul, he had to get past a few things, namely fear of his life. And that's pretty hard. Now, friends, you and I have the hard part today. We aren't about removing scales. That's not our job. We can't do it anyway. But our part is to go. That can be really hard. Because that means that oftentimes we have to pull ourselves out of maybe some, some of the things that we're familiar with. Or maybe that means we have to say hello to somebody we're very uncomfortable with. And that can be very hard. I heard of a church yesterday whose pastor was sort of frustrated because the church wanted to, it's in South Dallas, the church wanted to reach out to the community and be able to bring kids who were involved with all the things that go with urban life that you've heard of and that you know of. And guess what? They started doing it. They had these programs where kids would come and they'd, they'd come and have fun and they'd come and hear a message about God's love and all this kind of stuff. And then you know what these kids had the audacity to do after that? They started coming to church. You believe that? And then they'd show up dressed like they usually dress. Speaking sometimes like they usually speak anywhere else. They showed up to church being who they are. Can you believe the audacity of them children? Of course, the frustration of the pastor is, this is what the church wanted to do. And the church was doing it. But not everybody in the church was like that. Because, you know, as church folks, you know, there's some things we just don't do in here, right? There's some things we just won't allow. Now, never mind that, you know, we like to backbite and criticize each other and all those kind of things, but we're not going to tolerate that kind of dress. Y'all with me? See, the hard part is getting past all that and doing what it is God is calling us to do. Now, the good news about that calling is that when you're hurting, God is calling someone to bring you ease. When you're struggling, God is calling someone to help you. When you're sick, God is calling someone with a word of encouragement and help. When you are lonely, God is calling someone in your life to be a friendship to you. When you are broken down, God is calling someone to remind you that you can be built back up. When you're frustrated, somebody can come into your life and bring you joy. 
when you are confused, God is calling someone to bring you joy. I want you to think about that. God is calling someone to do that for you when you need it. Now, here's the really, really, really good news about it, I think. Is that sometimes the person whom God is calling is me. But sometimes a lot more the person whom God is calling 